Hello and welcome to another episode of Leap of Faith, formerly known as the God Confidence. As always, I'm going to get started with a little intro and tell you what this is all about. If you're new here and you have no idea what's going on, I'll get, don't worry, I got you. But if you've been here before, you know the gist. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. I am here to help you guys change your life. And by change your life, I mean I'm using the Word of God to help you change your life in the sense that you're struggling with something right now. But without further ado, let me give you guys something that's pretty amazing. It's something that's new. So as you already know, I changed the name since the beginning of the podcast. And also, I've also changed the way I'm going to continue to do for this stuff. So um, if you listened to me before and you listened to some of the things that I had in the past, you kind of already got the gist. But if you haven't, I highly encourage that you go back. And you listen to some of my old podcasts. Um, with today's episode, I kind of want to touch on something that is slightly different. So I know before we were talking talking about how change is hard and that it's necessary. And that goes for everything in life. But this one is slightly different. This one is about being able to um, not have fear. And I know what you're thinking, oh, but isn't that the same thing as change yourself? No. <laughs> no, it is not. So the, um, I want to, um, I mentioned before, I'm going to start incorporating scriptures into my podcast because I feel like they'll give people a better sense of what I'm talking about. So without further ado, if you are a Christian, if you, wherever you are, wherever you stand in the religious spectrum, by all means, no disrespect, if you're listening to this and you do not identify as a Christian, you don't have to worry about this because I am going to be reading this from the, directly from the Bible. But if you are a Christian, I don't got to tell you this. You should know this by now. Pull out that Bible and let's turn to Second Timothy and we're going to look at um, 1-7. For God gave us a spirit not to fear, but the power of love and self-control. So... Remember I said I wanted to talk about fear because that is a big deal. And I also want to touch on self-control as well because this is what this entire, you know, the podcast in, in, in entirety is all about. It's about having self-control for bad habits, having self-control in everything we do. But that's, again, that's for another podcast. But this one in particular is about fear. And I really want to talk about fear because this is something that is constantly stopping us from doing what we want to do. We have fear that somebody might judge us. We have fear that someone might stop being our friend or cut us off completely. We have fear that, you know, just plain simple, it might not work out. You might fail. You have fear of failure. And um, why do I want to talk about this today? Well, I want to talk about it because it's something that I personally struggled with. From my own experience, trying to figure out how to get out of my, you know, depression or old habits and whatnot what have you, I truly had in the back of my mind, if, you, if you're a visual person, you can imagine, you know, like an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder, same kind of concept, but for me, it was more of my, my oh, you got this, my confident person on one shoulder, and then my, I don't think you should do this, anxiety person on my other, so instead of the angel and devil, it was the confidence and anxiety, constantly telling me, you know what, you know, my confidence was like, yeah, you got this. You can do it. You can make the change. You can go out here. You can do this. You could. You can got. You got that. And then my anxiety person was just like, "Girl, don't do it. Don't do it." <laughs> kind of have that 
like, oh, no, I'm, I can't, I can't, constantly pushing me to, like, nope, I, I don't think I want to do this, I'm not comfortable doing this, and I realized that is a big problem, not just with me, but that's a big problem in our society, um, for example, we've even gone as far as coining the term FOMO, fear of missing out, and typically we use that in the sense of missing out on going to a certain experiencing um, different, like, events or whatnot, or going to a party, or, you know, etc. or even going, like, traveling, or doing some type of wild and exotic, and very excited um, experience, like, I don't know, something like skydiving. Oh, you're missing out if you don't do that. Well, me, I interpret fear of missing out in the fear, in the sense that the fear of missing out of success, the fear of missing out of being who you want to be. You're missing out on that person, that that lifestyle, that, um, what's a better word? Ooh, I'm stuck with words today. <laughs> How can I do a podcast when I'm stuck with words? But, um, yeah, that's how I interpret that, because that is essentially what we do. We self-talk ourselves out of things. We overanalyze. We can constantly just picking and plotting on basically every single thing we do. So if you remember what I touched on, before I talked about change, but rather your habits. And what do you do with those habits? A typical normal human being, such as myself, will say, okay, I'm going to break a bad habit. But the the fear that's kind of wandering in the back of your mind. The God did not give us the spirit of fear, but power of love and self-control. With power, love, and self-control. So I should have took and I should have took that in the necessary sense of oh instead of me worrying about what people think about my bad habits, especially especially habits that we tend to keep a secret. And those are I can touch on with for example, some people that might be um fear of lust, masturbation, fornication, um, pornography. Some can be some people have a hidden a bad habit of gluttony, some people have a hidden bad habit of um procrastination, some even, believe it or not, some people even have a hidden of alcoholism and drug abuse. It's like, how can you hide something like that? Well, people really do that. And, you you know, you can look at one person totally different, you know, oh, they got a smile on their face, they look, you know, you, you they come into any situation, you think nothing of it, and then really they're actually struggling. They're struggling with something that they, they have a fear of breaking because they're so comfortable in that habit and also you have a fear of someone changing because they fear that they will fail they feel that oh i'm gonna relapse i'm gonna go right back to square one and you know what you know what i'm gonna be too totally honest with you you are gonna go back to square one but that's okay because that is where you learn growth if you listen to my last podcast you know that i told you that that is something that is technically necessary for you to become your better self why because I guess one of my absolute favorite um, analogies to that, or examples, is the invention of the light bulb. If you've gone to school and you've listened to the history of Thomas Edison, you've probably heard how he failed a thousand times until he got it right. <laughs> you know, like, you've heard that analogy more than once. So, well, some people will look at him like, oh my God, he failed a thousand times. He just was very resilient. He never gave up. But we actually missed the whole premise of that quote. 
And by the way, the boost of bubbles are actually not true. I don't think you made a thousand one different light bulbs. For those of you who are a lover of history, I am sorry if I crushed your soul. I too am a lover of history. And that crushed my soul when I found out that it wasn't entirely true. But it has a very good lesson behind it. It failed a thousand times until one day, bing, the light bulb shine. You got it right. So, um, what is the lesson behind it? So the lesson is, if each time that he failed, he learned something from the previous time. So he learned, okay, maybe the filament that I have was too strong, or maybe I should have added a little bit of this, or maybe I should have did that. Maybe, you know, it's just the small little nuances of how we're going to change. So, for example, say that you have an addiction to social media. That's your bad habit. You wake up first in the morning, you grab your phone, and you're on your Twitter account, or, you know, during dinner time, instead of interacting with your family, and you're looking through your Instagram, you know, liking pages, etc. You're swiping right, swiping left. You're just really consumed by your social media world. So, how can you break that? Let's say, say the first time you're going to quit the cold turkey. But that's not easy because you have all of your social media accounts still on your phone. And also, we live in society where we can't necessarily be without our phones. I mean, you could. It'd probably be very, very hard to do. But that just goes to say what the, what the reality of certain things are. For, for example, your job and family, you just need a cell phone for certain instances like that. So quitting cold turkey, that was failure number one. That didn't work. You're right back on social media. Right back to square one. So what about... Screen time, you know, you put, okay, I'm going to spend maybe two hours on this one and 15 minutes on this one and 10 minutes on that one or one hour, etc., etc. And then I work for a little bit, but then you get frustrated because as soon as you're like really getting into the, the groove of like working at something funny on Facebook or looking at, you know, getting deep into a conspiracy theory on Twitter or whatever, your screen time pop up and it shut down. I'm like, okay, nope. You you reach the max time for today for social media, and then you're gonna go, oh nope, I'm gonna uh, um I did this before myself. I would be like, oh give me allow me um 15 more minutes, 15 more minutes, or give you option of either 15 minutes, um one full hour, or just completely unlock. So if you're like anybody else, if you're like myself, I would continue to do that unlocking or just flat out you know nope turn the whole thing off all together, and um, that's failure number two. So the next thing is, you know what, I'm going to, instead of pick up my phone first thing in the morning, I'm going to change how I navigate. So I'm still going to use social media. Maybe I won't be able to get away with the whole screen time thing, but instead of grabbing my phone first thing in the morning, and also that'll be the last thing I have in my hand before I go to bed, or and also sitting at the dinner table, I'm going to incorporate something also. In the morning, I'm going to get up, do some dresses, drink some water, maybe do a little journaling, cook some breakfast. Um, during lunchtime, I will interact with co-workers or whatnot. During dinner time, I obviously interact with my family. If you live alone, I will try to catch up on the latest episode on Netflix or etc. It's just a distraction. That's what it is. You're, you're looking for a distraction to distract you from using social media. And you know what? The distraction is good, but it only lasts for so long, and you're just like, geez. Failure number three is that what if you do a distraction with the screen time? 
not work for a while, so you haven't been on social media for two months, and you're feeling very proud of yourself. In fact, you're even boasting and bragging about it. You're telling all your friends and family and co-workers, I haven't been on social media in two months. With the exception of Instagram, because I can't get off of that. And guess what? I'm telling you the God out of truth. That was me. And then, you know what? Failure number four. Like, good God, I can't pull this off. I'm back at square one. And then here is the big one. This is, some people like to call it cold turkey. Some people just flat out like to call it removing yourself from the world. Um, uninstalling. You can do it by uninstalling one app. Me, I just decided to um, pull the plug and uninstall every single last one of my social media accounts. And um, it worked. For me, that was my success. That was my one light bulb that actually lit up, that actually, you know, lit up the world, <laughs> but to some, that could be failure number five or six or a thousand, and sometimes you have to incorporate, and so I know I kind of got really long and drawn with the giving that example, but I, I want to tell you that in that way, because I want you to see the different steps of the lessons that you learn from each time you try and you succeed, and how people can go back to square one, how that comes about. And I use the example of social media because that's something that, one, that is something that we're all struggling with today, even if you don't feel like you are a big person that's addicted to social media. We all are. Even I, I am still addicted to social media. And like I said, I haven't been on it for probably two months now, and I uninstalled all my apps. But that doesn't mean I still see it, because I do. Because for me, I've replaced that with YouTube. I've replaced that with um, Pinterest, <laughs> believe it or not. And Pinterest is just a mini version of TikTok. I'm sorry for anyone that want to fight me on that one. That is very true. <laughs> they just post everything TikTok related onto Pinterest. So there's no longer the DIY page for moms anymore. But, um, yeah. So, I just want you guys to see, like, all the different steps that's going to go through. All the different twists and turns. Like, oh, my God. Why am I going to, how am I ever going to get over that? And you can see why someone would be too afraid to even begin to touch the surface of making a change because the fear of failure. And that's ultimately one of the biggest things we all feel. Like, ever since we were little kids, you, you fear messing up, not getting it right the first time, and just flat out failing. But that doesn't mean you should be, you know, okay, let me rephrase that. You shouldn't be afraid of failure because failure gives you growth. And I feel like that is one thing that they didn't teach us in school, and they didn't teach us even, maybe just from my personal experience, but also in church, because obviously it says right here in the Bible, right there in Second Timothy um, 7, he did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And I'm going to make this a three-point video, three-part video. So the first one is going to be about power. The second one is love, obviously. Third one, self-control. That is a very, very big, big, big piece of why we struggle to change, why we struggle to adapt to something new, something better, why we struggle to rid ourselves from different bad habits or sins, if you will, that hold us back, that hinders us. And going back to the social media experience, obviously, the lack of self-control is what is kind of consuming that person's lifestyle. That's what's kind of feeding into the fuel. It's fueling that fire of 
why can't why is it that every time I try something different, a new approach, a new step, I'm always back at square one? I'll tell you why. Yes, you did the screen time. Yes, you uninstalled the apps. Yes, you um completely did cold turkey, or you you found distractors, if you will, or something that in place of social media. But the problem is, you lack the self control. You lack the the wheel. And I know some people are like, wait, what? Excuse me, I had self control. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you didn't try. Believe me, the 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 fact that you a acknowledge you had a problem and b actually took necessary measures to try. Darling, you are already way ahead of many other people. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know that. If you if you in right here and you listen to this podcast and you say, you know what? I have a problem and something I want to fix, you are in the majority right now. You're doing very good. You should pat yourself on the back. Give yourself a hand. But um it is the it is true that the lack of self control is something that kinda is first of all, it's a very, very hard barrier because self control is not something that comes easy. It's not something that comes overnight. You know, you don't just wake up and be like, Hey, I have newfound self control. It comes with a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline, a lot of order. And honestly, the hardest of hard is basically a lot of cutting out some stuff that you're comfortable with. And I really, really, really want to spend a couple of minutes talking about why we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable because we fear uncomfortable uncertainty. We fear, you know, we fear something that will knock us off our feet. We don't like that feeling of, ooh, I can't. So if it's something that we're used to, which is why most of us, you know, wind up adopting these habits, that's because it's something that comforts us in our past. We may not realize that. Some of us will be like, well, wait a minute, how can, you know, being addicted to social media is comforting? Maybe that was just your way of getting out of hard situations or that you were decompressed from a long day of work. That was just your way of comfort. And we, you know, we take things like that for granted. We never really look at, oh, okay. I never realized that. For example, um, I can go as far as saying the fear of loss, but masturbation, um, and pornography, especially with pornography, that is a sense of comfort. Now, some of you guys who are more on the foodist side are like, excuse me? Who finds comfort in that? <laughs> Believe it or not, if, for example, people who are single, they don't have anyone. So they will find comfort in self-pleasure. They will find comfort in even the, the imagery of seeing porn because, one, to give you an essence of it you've ever done that before haven't you know what good for you but for those who have masturbation gives you a reach of you know climate obviously but also when you're watching something it overstimulates that so which is why pornography and masturbation always kind of go hand in hand almost a little bit like <laughs> very bad analogy but they're kind of like peanut butter and jelly they they make the very good Lust sandwich in terms of why we see people blocking to that. You can't have one and not the other. Okay? I mean, you, actually, you could. You could, you know, there could be pornography watching minus masturbation. But masturbation minus pornography, unfortunately, as long as you think you can hold out without watching something or even seeing an image. And yes, looking at a picture, whether it's in a cartoon form or not. That is still pornography. When you're looking at nakedness, 
the nakedness of a fluff in any form, whether it's a cartoon, I know people get into the whole anime and stuff like that, and also, obviously, live human, that is pornography, whether it's a still picture or a video, or even a small little, um, with those things, like, a, not a meme, but a gif, a gif, that's still pornography, you're actually actively looking at something that is in a sexual manner, anything that has a sexual manner to it is pornography. And yes, for those who be like, well, wait a minute, what about that, that little that part with, you know, in the Titanic with Jack and Rose? Yes. Yes. Sex scene. They call it sex scene for a reason. So, yeah, if you thought, and you thought you can get away with just looking at a quick little clip from the Titanic where Jack is drawing, that's pornography. I'm sorry if I burst your bubbles, but that's pornography. <laughs> and... People find comfort in that. We find comfort in the fact that we, some people, especially, I'm not saying it's a large majority, but that is something people find comfort in who may be a victim of sexual abuse. Some people find comfort, as obviously, as I said earlier, about um, singleness or loneliness. You know, if you, you want to have someone behold you, and, and women in particular, and yet, for those who are mind blown and listening, this women masturbate? Yes, they do. Yes, we do. And if you're a woman and you're just turning your face up and you're listening to this and you're like, how dare she expose our dirty little secret? I am sorry, but that's what this is all about. It's about exposing yourself before the Lord and asking Him to give you the strength and the power and the wherewithal to change yourself and walk in a righteous way. And if I sound a little churchy, I'm going to be honest with you, this is a religious-based podcast, and it's going to get a little churchy sometimes. But that's ultimately what I'm doing. So if I step on some toes, that means I'm tapping into the surface of your comfortable clothes that you have, so, you know, that you've embodied yourself inside of. And we have to get uncomfortable, because you can't navigate life thinking, Oh, I want to change myself, but not have not serving hard work. So when if you're a woman and you're struggling with something like masturbation, or even um, porno, um, pornography, even just fornication in general, or you're just racking up those body counts. And again, I'm not shaming anyone. I'm not, nor am I judging anyone. I am definitely not in the right place to judge anyone. That is just your way of, you know, shedding some. I don't want to say a word of tension because the word of tension comes off very, very hard. But it's more like your cry for something. Your cry for, it could be help. Your cry for, um, you know, I feel like help would be a better word because help can cover all the blankets of a, I'm crying for help because I'm dealing with these demons from past trauma. I'm crying for help because I am out of desperation, and I'm not saying desperation like you're desperate, but desperation in the sense that I want to be with someone. I want a relationship. I don't just want sex. I'm using sex to get relationships. So if you're a woman, you're listening to that. And the same thing applied to men. I'm not, I know it sounds like I'm chewy, you know, picking on women, but um, same thing applies for men. You know, for a man, they use sex to do masculines of the masculinity or masculines of why can't I get a woman? Oh, she's not good enough. I just use her for sex. Why can't you know? It's not true. I'm feeling lonely. It's not true. I'm just gonna watch porn because porn helps me 
conquer my loneliness. The same thing, the same, the same essence goes with um, alcoholism or when by substance, I mean drugs, whether it's marijuana, whether it's um, absolutely hard drugs like heroin or cocaine or prescription medication, opioids or Xanax, etc. Et People use that as a cloth. Ooh, that's a good one. As a cloth to cover ourselves. There's something that we're comfortable with because it helps us shield what is really hurting us, what is really battling us with inside because we have that fear that is attached to it. We have that, we have that, oh, you, you'll be fine here, you, you're comfortable here, little, I don't want to say angel, but um, person on your shoulder, but on the other one, you have the anxiety, but like, oh, people are going to find out about you, people are going to judge you, people are going to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you just feel like, you know what, I'm going to stay in this state, and that's what you know, you shouldn't do that, because when you stay in that state where you're putting this hard barrier, this hard wall around you, and you're staying in that place you don't want to be in, eventually you become resentful. You become bitter. You become miserable. And, and your heart becomes cold and callous. And I'm not saying that it's, you're unable to change when you get to that point, but it's just harder when you get to the point of misery. But this should come as good news for those of you who feel like maybe I'm at the point where I'm, and I'm not calling it a miserable person, but the point of misery. Misery is actually something that essentially when you cry out to the God and you're in your lowest point, that typically is the part where you are actually able to get pulled out. Because in layman's home, you see someone fall, people help them. And I'm not saying people like, like, you know, in general terms of society, but I'm just like a good Samaritan see someone fall, they help them up. So when you're at your lowest point, you can get helped up. If you're listening to this podcast, me talking to you and, and telling you, A, what to do, and B, telling you my own testimony, my own story, is my way of reaching my hand out and helping you up. And you don't have to be at your lowest low. You can be... Somewhat in the middle, you can be, oh, you know what, I think I'm kind of cruising on this slow study, not necessarily hitting hard, unless not, I mean, I've, I've addressed my problems, and I'm actually taking the necessary step to change my life. You know what, somebody might be listening to this, and they have no problems whatsoever, but they're still listening to it as a, um, as a presentative method. They're like, oh, let me listen to this to make sure that it don't happen in the future. Well, if I do, if I encounter it, I know what to do, sort of thing. But misery is something that we see, we become more empathetic. And I believe, I truly personally believe, just from experience, from other testimonies that I've heard and within my own testimony, that God is more empathetic for those who are in misery. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be miserable. You don't have to be having something traumatic happen in your life for God to actually acknowledge you. That is not the case. That is not what I'm trying to say. But it's rather you're miserable. You're crying out for help. So you can be miserable and not cry out for help and be like, I'm a day in this state of mind. And so be it. But you can also be miserable and be like, please get me out of this state of mind. Get me out of this circum- these horrible circumstances. And that's when your life starts to change. It's when, when you recognize that you're in Hmm. Before I say some words, when you recognize you are in some chocolate, when you recognize you are in some 
sugar-coated poop instead of chocolate. Let's just say it like that. That's what I'm, I've been, that's my thing now. <laughs> I'm not trying to keep this kid friendly, no cuss words, especially if we've got teenagers listening. But, um, yeah. You want to get yourself out of those circumstances, and you have to realize that you was, you're, you're essentially sitting in something that you shouldn't be sitting in. Just because it's warm, and it may look appeasing, it's, no, that's not the business. <laughs> so, um, I truly hope that my words today helped you, and again, for those of you who are paying attention, if you are paying attention, I'm just going to, you know, recall what I said about the scripture that I was reading from, which is Second Timothy, it's in the New Testament, Second Timothy, um, first, wait, Second Timothy 1, sorry, Second Timothy 1, uh, verse 7, God gave us the spirit not to fear, but of power, love, and self-control, and this is going to be a three-part, because I'm going to talk about the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of self-control. And that will be all for this podcast. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. If you know someone or yourself, please do not forget to share, share, share. I really want these words to reach somebody because everyone is in need of a friend and everyone is in need of a good hand to help them pull them out of those dark, dark times. And without further ado, I'm going to close out as I always do. Remember... Fully rely on God with his fog. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And again, have an amazing night, morning, afternoon, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Peace. Bye.